1176 Sports and Culture Podcast, bringing you the latest buzz and updates from our beloved Prairie View A&M University, featuring your fellow PV Panthers, Roland Austin, Jay Cleasy, Big Mike Washington, three-time swag champ Gati Rima, former drum major and HBCU band historian Shanetta Haskell, and Al Williams driving the show from the hill. Please subscribe and give us five stars and follow us on social media at Panthers underscore 1876. And welcome, everyone, to the 1876 Sports and Culture Podcast. I'm your host, Alan Williams. I'm joined today with Joe Clay, Jay Cleasy, Shanetta Haskell, Mike Washington, and Roland Austin. We got some guests here with you today, uh, maybe some familiar voices. We got one new voice that's going to be real new to you, but uh, you'll enjoy his voice. I'll, I'll let you uh, judge that when you hear him, but... Uh, we got, we're going to bring our intern on today to interview him. He's got a lot going on. But uh, I want to start off, let's let's talk a little bit about um, sports are on pause right now. Yeah. Let's, yep. let's get into it. Yep. And the thing that comes to mind, the reason why it's on pause is because, uh, for instance, you've got schools like Norfolk State and uh, and Morgan State who had to pull out, causing the MEAC to cancel their season. Well, the reason being is because of COVID, the short-term and long-term health effects for the student-athletes. So the thing that comes to my mind, the question we should be asking, um, should our kids be playing spring ball? I mean, that's just not college. That's high school too, right? What'd you say, Mike? Yeah, I kind of struggle with that. I think if you look at, you know, why schools are pulling out, I kind of look at it, how, how we're managing in corporate America. There's a lot of moving parts um, and a lot of things happening at the same time. Schools may be pulling out and canceling for different reasons. It may not be protocol related. It may be, you know, administrative release reasons. It may be other reasons. So in corporate America, we balance these issues just like they're having to balance. So I don't know if it's, you know, A plus B equals C where it's just a, a health issue. I think there are other issues that come to play. So to say carte blanche that we should not play or not play, I don't know if we have that answer just yet. I, I would say school of public opinion. Yeah. You know? I look strongly towards the health part of it. So if you look at the studies that have come out over the last several months about the health concerns, you've got an issue such as myocarditis, where you've got the inflammation of the heart. You've got heart rhythm irregularities. Um, you've got issues where kids are coming up, college students are coming up with lung damage, where it's compromising lung capacity, which causes shortness of breath and chronic fatigue. They even did a story yeah. about what they call long haulers, which have all those effects I just talked about, plus cognitive issues. And they've had these issues for months and months. Well, I mean, you look at it, uh, you know, when you have impaired lung capacity, usually your your pulse ox is going to drop. And whenever you deny the brain of oxygen, there's going to be some impact. Yeah. And, you know, you talk about myocarditis with the inflammation of the heart. That's not something that just goes away. No. Nope. That can stay with you for the rest of your life. And you talk about shortening a lifespan, you know, when, when that's like trying to pump uh you know, if you hook the fire truck up to a, a garden hose, it can't mm -hmm. pump all that through that small hose. So, you know, 
it's a that's a huge risk and and it's not something that i think the as as a 18 or 19 year old student i don't know that I, i'm in that mindset worried about that because i'm in top, tip top shape thinking it can't happen to me yep and, and that's yep. where the adults have to step up <laughs> and protect the kids kids being high school and college athletes because at the end of the day you know every athlete thinks I hit their goal is to play pro. Well, hell, it's hard to play pro if you can't breathe. Yeah, this is true. Your heart ain't pumping blood. And then, too, I mean, I feel sorry. Like, Mike, you've got some high, you got a high school student uh, athlete. And right now, with the way the rules are going, you know, all the, all the athletes this year get an extra year. So those kids who used to qualify to go to, you know, a D1, you know, those spots are being taken up by kids staying an extra year. So now yeah. you, you've you got even fewer spots. And so now these kids are like, well, I can't really afford not to play because I am, I'm graduating. So I got to, I need to go out here and show and prove so I can get a spot somewhere. And a lot of these kids that used to be D1s are going to D2s. D2s going to JUCO. Yeah. Yeah, it's creating kind of a, I don't know, for lack of better terms, a traffic jam where you're going to have, you know, an increase or more than normal amount of athletes that, you know, not only D1, but D2s, D3s, even NAIAs potentially uh, with it, you know, with this phenomenon. And and if it continues, you know, you'll see that traffic jam kind of get a little bit larger with a year of eligibility. Um, So you you don't know how to manage that. And it, it means potentially increased exposure. So it's like that that keeps getting turning. Exactly. And they the NCAA did not uh, raise the limit on scholarships. That stayed the same. They just said you can stay an extra year. So I feel sorry for these class of 21 kids, you know, who especially the basketball kids, because this is their second season that's been impacted by this. So it's tight, man. You know, basketball, lacrosse, all those spring sports. This is their second season. Yeah. Well, I, to me, it raises the, the understanding again, as it did earlier in the season, that if you put more of your hopes, dreams, your focus on achieving college uh, funds through your athleticism, you're putting yourself in a tough spot. Mm-hmm. It, to me, this raises the awareness that, hey, your focus needs to be primarily on academics. And that what Coach Tyler said two weeks ago? Yeah. <laughs> she showed I, I guess the question I have is you look at, you hear some of the latest news about schools canceling. It's been one or two sports. It's been, we're going to cancel spring football, but they still have spring sports taking place. Yep. What's the message that you take from that? Is it saying that football is more important? Is it saying that football players are more at risk or we we can just protect, you know, our other spring sports better. What ascending? Saying that football money is better than the rest of the <laughs> revenue. The money is spent. Generated. The money is spent for football. That money is already spent. Scholarships are already granted. That money is spent. Either you're gonna play or you're not. It's not a money thing for me, for me at football. Look at Alcorn. Mm-hmm. They just backed out of spring football. 
And I think so. I'm, the money may have been I'm gonna be a little bit messy. Let is. me let me get a little bit messy here. Let me, let me start something. Maybe, maybe we had, we had talked to Doc about we'll this. Let's start it then. Let me, let me go. On. All right. So me at cancel right. Me at cancel yep. this spring spring season. They got three teams that said we still want to play. That's Howard, Delaware State, and South Carolina State. All right. Alcorn pulled up. What if? South Carolina State comes and plays Alcorn schedule in the SWAT for the spring. I guess I have as independent. <laughs> I have two words for you, and we we discuss. I guess I'm cheating a little bit because we discussed it on Doctor Gaville's show. I said number one, this would be would it would it? I asked the question, would it be an administrative hassle? And then Doctor Gaville said, then there would be politics behind it as well, because you bring South Carolina State in, and now you're creating all kinds of politics there. Hey, <laughs> so I'm, I'm, cheating, I'm, cheating, I'm cheating a little bit, but I'm for it. But I'm sure there are others in different levels of administration that are not for it. Oh, the MEAC don't want no parts of it, but exactly. last they, time I checked, Orangeburg is not too far from that I-20. They, they would fit right in on that I-20 corridor. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm not arguing with you there. <laughs> hey. was a, PV wasn't playing Alcorn State this year anyway, so I don't care. No, Either it's way. over in the wet. <laughs> this their last time in the wet. This day, I mean, don't this their last time over in the East. They over in the SWAC East. So yeah. South Carolina State can come get this smoke before uh, Bethune and FAMU. <laughs> Yeah, I, 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 I'd say South Carolina State can see what it's really like to be in a swag. There it is. <laughs> Test drive, baby. Test drive. Let's, you know what? Let's, un, let's, guess what? Let's unpeel this onion. Hey, I bet you them fools up in Nashville is like, yeah, do it, do it, do it. <laughs> <laughs> and they're going to be like, Bethune, after fam, you had that meeting, uh, Tennessee State going to be right there when they come out after the vote talking about, yeah, you know, it ain't going to take us that long. <laughs> I, I like the way you think Dr. McClendon uh, uh, Sir, place that call over to Orangeburg We want to holler at South Carolina State Please step to the front of the congregation Exactly <laughs> I, I tell you what though I, I feel sorry for the MEAC though I, You know, it's Hey, we're all in this together We need the swag right. Needs the MEAC to stay alive and strong So I kind of feel sorry for them You ever been in the office when somebody quit? What's the first thing you do? You go raid all the stuff they got on their desk. I was gonna say, I will raid his desk. Holder, he got that big stapler that got the handle on it. That extra I'm monitor, that. dual monitor. Yeah, he got that mesh. He got the mesh chair with the dual monitor. Man, please. Like that ergonomic set. Yeah, man. Yeah. Let me get oh, all that. We get all that in that cushy chair. I'm just saying. Exactly. Oh, y'all stupid. Man, we are setting a bad example for Tyler here. <laughs> hey, hey. I'm just saying. Man, if it's going down, you better get something out of it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Somebody got to start the trouble. So you know. I'm shorting the MIAC. I'm shorting it. <laughs> get the W in the celebration. All them over. traders out there, I'm shorting the MIAC. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> All right. So now we did have some 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 something good happen on the yard this week. Yep. We had the ladies from the soccer team get those rings. Yes, indeed. I wish we were doing this yeah. on YouTube so y'all can see my background. I got the ladies with their rings out. Uh, but Lame. the question is, when you win a championship, do you, and you put that ring on, is it fingers up or fingers down <laughs> or the fist? What, what's the, the protocol? 
I, I don't know. So What's the I, protocol? I don't know the protocol, but, you know, Big Mike, you know, prior service military, you know, listen, we never saluted with our hands out like this. That's no, a, we didn't. That's a sign that we have surrendered. Exactly. So whichever direction that you hold your hand, there's going to be some symbolic um, representation of what you're doing. So I'm thinking maybe it's a hand up. You know, cause we we we're rising. Fingers up. Maybe it's the fingers up. Maybe we just maybe we just uh. <laughs> I tell you, you don't want this smoke next time. <laughs> for, folks, for folks listening, go take a look. Go take a look on pvpanthers.com. Check out the soccer team and their their pose when they got their uh, their rings on the field. You'll see what we talking about. <laughs> So 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 we I need consensus here. So the consensus is fist. Is that that what we saying? I think I'd go with the fist. I think the fist makes a statement. You know, it yeah, definitely like, makes a statement. Yeah, you know? the fist does make a statement. I Roman is is right. In military culture, there's a certain way you hold your hand to give reverence to your position or to the position of another. So if you held it like this. We can't see you, Mike. You're giving you're giving proper <laughs> reference, but if you're doing like this, you on you on some Black Panther type stuff. <laughs> we ain't giving Panthers no reference. On the prowl, baby. Panthers, hey, Panthers on we, the prowl. We took the chill. We ain't giving no reverence. <laughs> All right, so it, it has been moved, and uh, by acclamation that uh, that motion passes, that it will be the fist when you get your ring. So. Uh, golf team, when you get your next one, we need the fist. <laughs> Bowling team, when your rings come in, we need the fist. Uh, yep. who, who else got a championship? Softball got one coming up. Softball they should be got one, right? come one coming. Softball, yeah, yeah. we need the fist. Yeah. Basketball, basketball, I, I basketball think got one as long coming. as we can get basketball, enough games in, sure. yeah, I, they, I'm ready for them to be able to put two fists out, man. Yeah, they got a couple. Because these boys rolling. They roll exactly. You know, they I'm, I'm talking. I'm talking presidential awards, man. Look at all these spring sports that are starting. Yeah. Right. Are we potential candidates for a presidential award? Yeah, that, that we commissioner's cup. We that commissioner's cup. cup. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pushing it, man. We gonna get it. And, and, and speaking, speaking of oh, softball, need one too. Well. I'm we just saying, we're gonna I'm see just, how spring goes. I'm just throwing it out there in the universe. We're going to see <laughs> how spring goes. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but but speaking of championships, softball looking pretty good, man. Yeah, man. They the, are. Swag, the swag is predicting them number yeah, one is. in the West, baby. There it is. I mean, and look at the preseason uh uh first teams. You got how many? What did they get? Three of them? We got three. three three ladies on the first preseason first team. Gabrielle Fonseca, uh, Serena Antone, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, Cameron Laverne, and uh, Kyra Lunford, uh, first baseman, is a uh, second team, pre preseason second team. All yeah. Swag. So now you uh, talk about team batting average. All of them are right at 300 or above. So you got to know their team batting average. You got to know they're putting some points on the board offensively. So that's bananas. Three yeah, really man. good. So they may be double fisted rings as well in the, after this season. We'll see. Hey, that's what I'm talking PV. about. Champions are built, baby. Where champions are built, and we no longer gonna be the best kept secret. We 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 giving that one up. We putting it out there. Did y'all see Fox Two or Fox News in uh, Houston did a couple of segments on PV? Yes. Yeah, I did not. not. Yeah, break it down, yeah, what? man. You, where you been, Clay? Yeah, that's usually you, the first one to know. I know. Man, I've been working. 
<laughs> you in the cut. But <laughs> <laughs> well, nowadays, that ain't a bad problem to have, bro. So exactly, I'm thankful. Wonderful problem. I'm thankful. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but they did a, some really good pieces, man. They went back uh, and, and talked about some of the prominent alumni and uh, the impact of the School of Architecture, and it was it was really well done. I was impressed. I'm gonna have yeah. to check it out. Nice. Yeah. It's about time we start getting some of this press around here. I mean, we're we're only the the, the best kept secret in Texas. So right. did we speak it into existence? <laughs> Hey, bro, is that you what heard I did? it here first, the 1876 Sports and Culture Podcast. We getting it in. This is the only place you're going to get this information, baby. When we put it out there, it's out. It's out. Let it's me, out. Let me say Dooley needs a ring again, then. Yeah, Dooley <laughs> needs a ring. Hey, I'm say, say it like Candyman. Dooley needs a ring. Right. Dooley needs a ring. Dooley needs a ring. <laughs> we need a drop of that. Just Dooley needs a ring. So you say volleyball won. All right, Dooley needs a ring. <laughs> Subliminal Dooley needs a ring. <laughs> right. All right, let's take a quick break, and then I want to come back and talk to Shanetta about some band stuff, even though we don't have a band season. I, I still want to chop it up a little bit on the band. Let's take a quick break. And welcome back. It's time for some band talk, Shanetta. What's going on? Not much, unfortunately. I am, like, really missing band. I spent this week basically on YouTube. Thank God for YouTube that I can actually watch footage from when I was the band drum major. Yeah. Some of the current <laughs> things. <laughs> some of the current things that Check are out. Plug. Yes, no, yes. Uh-huh. You know what? I, but you know what? I am so jealous because to see myself, it is like you have to get through all that tracking. So it's it's a very you just have to believe that's me. It's not clear at all. But um, no, so I am envious with these with the new technology and Zoom and not Zoom but um, YouTube and all of that. But no, like I said, I don't have much other than I do want to let our listeners know that if you have students that are interested in, if you have daughters, let's start there. If they're interested in becoming black foxes, they have a interest meeting Sunday, February twenty eighth at three o'clock via Zoom. And if you want more details, follow them at PD Black Foxes Official on Instagram. And then also for those seniors and potential transfer students who have an interest in being in the best drum line in the SWAT, possibly in the HBCU, um, the Marching Storm drum line, they'll be having auditions March 27th at five o'clock. I'm sorry, let me correct that. Your video is due by March 27th at five o'clock. And then follow them at PVAMU Storm for more information. So, all right, Shanetta. So I know like these athletes all got huddle accounts and they know what to send their highlights to, to the coaches. What do you put in a band video? I'm pretty sure for the Marching Storm drummers or percussionists, they're going to want to make sure that they can read their rudimentary cadences, slow, fast. So just the techniques. Um, if it were me, I'm not sure. I would probably go and definitely play the cadence that PV plays um, when they're um, entering um, the field, leaving the field, things like that, and probably go look at some like YouTube videos. But I, I, I basically would, if I were trying out, play every PV cadence that I knew. And so I know. And then also probably show something that I can do on my own to let you know that I am creative 
because that is the one thing that I have. I, I used to judge the Battle of the Bands here in Dallas. And the one thing that should have made me proud also was a bit concerning too, because I felt like it was almost, I was judging who imitates Prairie View the best. Okay. That is a form of flattery, but my question is always, if you're not creative in high school and all you're doing is PV Southern Jackson State moves, when you are in those bands, where does that creativity come from? So that is always my concern. Like I said, it's, it's flattery, but you still need to be creative. As so well. let me ask you this. When, when the marching storm is coming up with, you know, some of the new things they're going to try out for a season, does that come from the director or is that grown out of the section leaders or do the drum majors, is it their responsibility to come up with some of those things? It's all of the above. Okay. All of the above. Right. What got, about I, those cats that, oh, go ahead. I got another question for you that just popped in my head. So, you know, in Drumline, when they were trying out and they had the seniors sitting up on the hill and they would do their cadence and they would give one horn, two horns, three horns or whatever. Do Is, is it similar at Prairie View? Do, do, do the seniors get a chance to view some of the tryouts and give their opinions on who they think thumbs up or thumbs down? I don't know if they do that now, but between 1992 and 1992. <laughs> 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 Not at all. Uh, everybody was looking for that two <laughs> You know, Drumline was on today. <laughs> oh really? <laughs> it was. And I actually taped it to go back and watch it. <laughs> yeah. I wondered how much uh how much um weight do y'all put on the little little sum sum on the end like uh like Nick Cannon says because I'm watching new YouTube now, right? And these kids are like they're out here, they're flipping drumsticks five and six at a time, they're you know, all staying on beat. Like is that is that part of that creativity? Is that just too much overflare? Is that like the hothead that you won't you don't want part of your 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 team, right? You know what? Or I would put it all. In? I, I would put it all in there. I really okay. would. You okay. know, you can you can not do it, but I, I I still think that you want to when you're presenting yourself. Hey, look, I've studied Prairie View. I want to be a part of this band, and I have what it takes to be in this band, especially if you're on snare. Okay, especially if Dooley needs a ring. Right. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I would learn how to play. Yeah, one thing for PV, if you're trying out for PV, it's one song, you know you better show up more how to play. You better know how to play uh, Entertainment Tonight. Entertainment yeah. Tonight, Swamp. And the Swamp. swamp. You gotta have Swamp. Yeah, if you don't you gotta have Swamp. swamp. Sorry. And for all those that's not familiar, Swamp, if you listen to the opening of this show, that's Swamp. That's Swamp. Mm -hmm. We Spice read it. We read Every time I hear it, I just get, you know. I get hyped. I listen to it on the way to work. <laughs> get hyped. You know, I've asked, that's that's written by uh, Samuel Long, and I've actually asked him to come on the show, so he'll be on the show real okay. soon. Okay. Oh, that's yes. awesome. Right there. Yeah. There it is. There it is. There it is. <laughs> and Dooley needs a ring. <laughs> Drop the mic. <laughs> <laughs> is, right. is the desire is the desire to uh for PV's band to get to grow as large as a FAMU band? That would be a question for um the, the the director. For me, no, I don't think I don't. I I want quantity. I'm sorry, I want quality, not quantity. 
you can have a big band. I mean, you'll see bands. I kid you not. We used to see bands and they would have the horn, but no mouthpiece. What? Trying to have numbers. Exactly. That that has happened. That happened in the SWAC. Okay. Wow. They're marching. They have no mouthpiece. mouthpiece. They're just trying to look yes. For yeah, like put me in the choir. Yeah, they put me in the choir at church, and that, they said, "Look, yeah. yo, what I want you to do is you just mouth watermelon, watermelon, watermelon. Don't sing." Yeah. <laughs> well, no, I'm I, I'm impressed when I see like small kids like Miles College, <laughs> like Miles College and Langston, small bands. They have a big sound. That's that's amazing to me. I but, just got a vision of 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 the choir director telling Allen, "Let's hear." Don't you ever, 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 never, ever, ever. Don't you ever? That's an awful vision. Don't you say nothing. But but my my sway game with the clap was on. I'm telling you, I made it look good. You know, I'm not one that. Oh, that brother, he all into it. Yeah, but he ain't saying a word. Oh, I just have another question though before we leave. You know, I was you know going back two weeks ago when we talked about that these the bands, the swag bands, MIAC bands aren't going to be traveling. And I was looking at a thread and it made me really think about something is does the culture of HBCU bands hinder our recruitment simply because a lot of people were saying, well, I'm not going to the game, you know, and the young man said, why would I go to an HBCU? I want fans in the stands in the third and fourth quarter. Mm. Oh, as a football player? Yeah. Yeah. Well, for me, looking at this spring schedule, we plan on ESPN. Ooh. Several I'm times. Just saying. Several times. We got what, three four games? Four times. Four times? Yeah. Four games on ESPN? Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, son, you, you, want to, you want to look at the people in the stands or you want all your folks to be able to watch on TV? <laughs> that is true. That is true. That exactly. was before that was announced, though. Yeah, yeah. But, the ring. <laughs> but, but that is true, Janetta, and that's, a, that's culture. That's going to the culture, changing the culture, um, under, l- making sure that HBCU alum understand that our boys want to need us in those stands. They need us there. Yeah, They want yeah. our presence there. We I need have to support a them. I have a theory, and y'all can shoot this down, but we play, most of the HBCUs are in southern states. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you start the season in August. August is a hundred in hell, just about everywhere. <laughs> yeah. One thing that black women are not gonna do is sweat out their hair before the party that night. So they're gonna come out, they're gonna come to the game, and then they leaving before they sweat it out. Cause you know, their fifth quarter is not necessarily at the stadium. All right. So uh, I don't care if you are, you know, 300 pounds or whatever. If your hair tight, you are you strutting up in there. Yeah. They're not going to do that in that heat. So they're going to come for what they need to come for, which is halftime. And then they're getting up out of there. <laughs> but a lot of us are natural now, so we don't have to. Yeah. We don't have that yeah. concern anymore. Uh, uh, clap, clap, clap. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A lot of women are going to clap right there. <laughs> hey, it sounds like you're also trying to raise some funds for a dome. That way we got some air conditioning in there. <laughs> hey, now if you got a dome... Hey, hey, yeah. Do the after party on the field. 
Tay man, you, on, on the cool, the Labor Day Classic at TSU Stadium is oh, hot and oh, oh Tay my man, goodness. ain't no after parties after that. You got to go <laughs> no. home and hydrate. See? Even the media box is hot. Oh man, it is like an instapot <laughs> up in there, dude. You know, it is like how is it? How is it hotter in here? It is in the in the rest of the city. I, I just don't understand that. It's like they are pumping heat in. They're like, you. oh, y'all wanted the air conditioner on? No, that was a different rate. <laughs> <laughs> like, I tried about five or six different media rooms, and they all hot. It's like, all right, I'll stand out here where there's a breeze and take my notes. <laughs> we doing the show from outside the media. <laughs> hey, and with that said, at the last Labor Day Classic at TSU Stadium, it was an old school PV alum who had on a full purple, like wool suit at the mm. game. Mm. Yeah. yeah. With dress shoes and hard. socks on. But okay. you know what? Every, every, every HBCU has that. I saw one at FAM. He had that bright orange suit on <laughs> in that 100 degree Tallahassee heat. You go to the CIAA, you got that dude who normally walks around, <clears throat> I think halftime or whatever, and everybody, he, I, I forget the name they call him, but he's the style guy, and he changes every game. It's a suit on, just like that. So every HBCU has that. Listen, y'all laughing. I'm ready. I'm waiting to be that guy. I need to be that seasoned guy that I'm comfortable with myself. That yeah. I can walk around homecoming all day in the bright gold suit with the gators. <clears throat> He gonna have a gold gators to go that's with. That's what I'm aspiring to be. I'm aspiring to be that dude right there. I'm, you I'm you not, know what we gonna, gonna do? He gonna have the spats on him too. Gotta have the spats you are, on him. I mean, you already know. <laughs> you, you know what we gonna do? We're gonna we're gonna wear those jazzy jackets, the sport coats that we just got, baby. Oh, it only the, only if lining. it is under 85 degrees. Because <laughs> ain't nothing worse than seeing somebody with Al sweat say, marks hold up, in their pits hold up. in a blazer. <laughs> No, that ain't cute. <laughs> we so far off topic. I know, man. All right, let's bring yeah, it back. Let's, let's let's take a break. We're going to come back with uh, I'm So Glad. We're going to bring in Dr. Cavill. We're going to talk some PV history and, and a couple other topics. So let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. And we are back. Actually, I, did I say I'm so glad? I meant meet me at the flagpoles. I'm jumping segments again. Y'all got to put me in the cut. So we at meet me at the flagpoles. We got Dr. Cavill, the dean of HBCU Sports, joining us today. Doc, what's going on? I'm, I'm going well. All right, no all right. But all, all is well. And, and happy belated birthday. I know you hit that hit that milestone here this week. That big five. Yep. Oh. That big five. Man, man. Oh. Hey, join the club. It, it, it was good. It was good. I couldn't go to uh to the Bahamas. But uh we ended up doing well um because I had my own little I brought the Bahamas uh, if you would, or the Caribbean to us. There it is. Mike nice. Mike and Charles <laughs> treated me well to the lunch. I got some gifts. Uh, nice beverages that were sent to me on my birthday. Um, and so uh, it all went well. Got some steak and lobster, lobster mac and cheese. So it was really good. Yeah, man. You, you sent me a picture of that lobster mac and cheese. I was here like, damn. Man. Oh, it was good. Oh, really, we topped it off with some Brussels sprouts with bacon, the way it was sizzled on there, and uh, all the sauce it had on it. Get out of here. Come come on, no bro. Steak and lobster. Really, dude. Come on, dog. Don't come teasing us like that. Sprout. (laughs) (laughs) You about to be in the cut too. (laughs) 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 
Let's get to the business at hand. All right, I want to talk some PV history, man. It is Black History Month. Before you get up to the PV history, as uh, I was listening in, and I know um, you were talking about the folks dressing up, and the person that you talk about at the CIAA, his name is actually Mr. CIAA. That's right. (laughs) Really? Yes. And and the other cat is Mr. M-E-A-C. Mr. Meak, right? Mr. Meak. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Hey, sound like Mr. Swack is, is, is who's gonna be wrong with It's all you, it's <laughs> all you <laughs> baby. It's yeah. waiting for you, dog. You <laughs> gotta claim it, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Dooley need a ring. You gotta step it up with a cane, cause Dooley need a ring. <laughs> Dooley need a ring. <laughs> all right, let's talk some PV history, man. I want to talk about, uh, you know, the the Baby Dome is named after Billy Nix. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the history and share with everybody who Billy Nix was. Billy Nix is a Hall of Fame coach, college Hall of Fame coach, black college Hall of Fame coach. Uh, Some people talk about Mount Rushmore. You know, I like to look at the Greensboro Four, you know, keeping it from a HBCU perspective. Um, It Everybody doesn't necessarily put Billy Nix up there, but if you look at the numbers and you know HBCU sports, there's no way that you won't say that he's one of the uh, Greensboro Four. He's one of the faces that you're going to put up there. He has a non-losing record against some legendary coaches uh, in the SWAC. Jake Gaither, for example, the legendary coach for FAMU. So when you think about some of these legendary coaches out there, when you measure them in terms of the top coaches – um, that's where you want to go. There's an article that I co-authored with Brian Fulford of Black College Sports Network called Dynasty Makers. Go check that out, and it really can take you inside the numbers. But you talk about a coach that had six national championships um, over this period of time. Uh, five of those, uh, if you would, were with uh, Prairie View uh, during the time. One at Morris College, so he's done it at two institutions to give you some understanding. He had two stints at Prairie View. 1945 to 1947, he was 15-9-3 during that time, was just getting started. He went back, was assistant coach, which is fascinating history. But when he came back was when he really dominated and when Prairie View become, became the quintessential place for black college football and was going head-to-head with the top programs out there, Tennessee State, Southern, um, even really before uh, Jackson State, Grambling State were kicking off and certainly – uh, beating up on FAMU outside of the conference, just to give you some indication, but <laughs> understanding why he is a Hall of Famer. So, if quick I may, question: if I, Can I can I add one quick note that a lot of people don't know is that, of course, as Dr. Cavill alluded to, he went he attended Morris Brown High School and Morris Brown College. He played uh, halfback, tight end, punter, in addition to playing on the baseball, basketball, and track and field team. So he was an all-around athlete. Uh, and then, of course, in 1941, well, he was head coach of the football team there from 1930 to 1935, from 1937 to 1939, and 1941 to 1942. And, of course, he compiled that 62 and 22 and 13 mark and a 1941 Pittsburgh Courier Black National Championship that uh, Dr. Cavill 
um, uh, alluded to, he is just as revered and honored in Atlanta, a city where I lived for about seven and a half years, as he is in Prairie View. So he is highly revered in several places. So I grew up in him. I have a family of Prairie View graduates. So he is one of the first names that you hear at that Thanksgiving you know, uh, dinner table. So um, huge history, huge icon. And from my perspective, it gets very subjective. I think he belongs on that Mount Rushmore of coaches. But you, if you ask my colleague, Charles Bishop, you may get a different answer. If you ask others from FAMU, you'll get a diff different answer at who belongs on that Mount Rushmore of Black Hall of Fame coaches. So go ahead, Joe. I know you had a question you want to jump in. A quick question. So with all that said, why doesn't he get more Hall of Fame consideration? Well, he's in the college yeah. Hall of Fame. Yeah. Is he? he? He Yeah, if you go to the College Hall of Fame in Atlanta, he's in the College Hall of Fame. So that's why I'm saying people that recognize um, great coaches, black coaches, um, uh, HBCU coaches or historically white colleges, he sticks right up there. In fact, he's the first um, African-American and first black institution to play for a desegregated championship. They lost wow. to St. John's, but of yep. all HBCUs, when they went into the NIA tournament, and it was just a seven-point loss, six-point loss in that game, next year they had a better record, win a national black college championship, gets, he gets coach of the year during their time, uh, and they don't get invited back to the playoffs. Yeah. All right. So I want to I got I, I want to shift gears. You brought up FAMU. Uh, I would be remiss if we didn't bring up former Prairie View coach, uh, Coach Simmons over at FAMU and uh, kind of what he's doing on, on, on over now that he's over at FAM. Let, let's talk about. So with, with the focus on that, there was a business side that kept him there at FAMU. Let's talk about that and then how it correlates to Prairie View other HBCUs in PV and Coach Smith? I think this is one of the most important questions that we can have and topics that you have. So I'm so glad you all brought this up. This is about a collective organization of people um, and institutions working together to get their desired results. You asked the question earlier in terms of Prairie View being the best kept secret. Part of that is because we work hard in terms of our National Alumni Association. We work hard in terms of branding and some people will talk about the branding terminology but let me use it from a sporting context and in, in, in what we're talking about here uh, in terms of the marching storm prairie AM institution um those are things that you got to understand you got to do better in terms of your organization if you want to be a, in a position to keep coaches our ability to pay coaches at prairie AM university is largely based on the fact of our student enrollment, Texas Southern is similar, in terms of our student enrollment and our ability uh, to pay coaches top salary. Places like Grambling, Jackson State, Southern, and FAMU, to get back to the original um, question, and even Alcorn, they're subs, uh, supplemented by their sports booster group Boosters. or the National Alumni Association. So, Everybody just knew that Willie Simmons was out the door. I had a back channel and talked to him and things of that nature. And he said, not so quick, my friend. Um, and to the credit um, to him is that the national alumni president, who happens to be a member of Alpha Alpha, he's a, 
uh, military man, colonel. So I want to give him his uh, appropriate terminology in terms of what he did. But they were down and seen <clears throat> lunch. The president, the national alumni, the booster president, and the athletic director, they were at dinner talking about essentially what would it take to keep him there. They were able to come up with the funds. And what I found out later, it wasn't so much about paying Willie Simmons additional money. He got years extended on the contract, but it was about paying the assistant coaches. The coaches. They supplemented that, that money. Yes. Right? That's they, huge. The facility upgrades that were done. We are fortunate at Prairie View. We have the facility, but we're going to have to come together as a collective group if we want to play at the top level and want to get our program back to the history that we're talking about just previously with Billy Nix, we as an organization in terms of booster group and alumni are going to have to find a way to come together and foster that. And it's not because we don't have the revenue. It's not because we don't have the patch. It's because we're not organized. It's simply because we're not organized in a space to do what we want to do and what we command. We can come to the table and say, look, Coaches does this type of thing. We got $20,000 that we're going to supplement the income. And nobody in black college football can do what we can do because we have the um, uh, enrollment to help supplement the cost. Last thing I will say about Simmons. We had the support from the chancellor of Texas A&M during Ashley time that would match anything, straight cash, homie, that family would put on the table. His wife wanted to go. She's a fam, family alumni, right? He's from there, so he really wanted to go back there. And once that was made, we were like, we're not going to stand in the way. Great opportunity. Made sense for a lot of people. Um, obviously, he took uh, what some people say at longer down the road might be a coaching opportunity um, for Black Coach... Uh, coach Black, K.J. Black. Yeah, Coach K.J. Black, yeah. Black, you know, he took him with him as a coordinator to groom him to get him ready. Offensive coordinator, now he's down there. Uh, thank you for that update with K.J. Black. And you never know what that means, but I'm saying if we want to be able to fight people off, not to say that we're pushing Dooley out, but let's say Dooley does his championship and he decides to go to Southern or something yeah. uh, back to his home. You know, where are we going to be either to match that to keep him there that salary, or mm -hmm. are we going to be prepared to be able to pry K.J. Black, bring him home in terms of appropriate salary uh, that it takes. So we have to understand what it means to come together collective and be able to do it with all the key players and stakeholders, stakeholders at the table saying that we can get this money, we can do these things, we can put this on the table and supplement any coach to whatever level we feel necessary uh, to keep them at the institution which is something that we need to consider, in my opinion, on the basketball side with the men's coach, Byron Smith. Oh, yeah, exactly. exactly. Let's, let's hit PV fam where it hurts. And, and yes. Yeah, let's, exactly. Let's hit them where it hurts. Up. Yes, sir. So, hashtag 31. And it's only yeah. 31 because we ain't played. Right. When we want hashtag whatever that number grows to, to continue to grow, and other schools come and try to poach our coach. What is PV family or how will PV family be able to come together and do much what you just said as a booster organization, be able to supplement those funds to make it too appeasing for Coach Smith to leave? Let's speak to that. Yeah, I think uh, it goes back to again. It's about organization. 
you know, where are booster group organizations and how do you expand those organizations? You, you have um, uh, 1876 Sports and Culture, even though we do, you all are doing the radio part of that. There could be extension of this uh, being a booster group. Um, the whether it's the crew. Yep. Yeah, tailgaters. Yeah, all those groups come in, but how do you organize, consolidate them if they don't come together as one? At least how do they work together to be able to supplement and sit down with the athletic director and the president of the university and saying, uh, not only do we want to write certain checks uh, for things that you need, but we also want to be an integral part of supplementing salaries for our coaches in a way that is necessary to keep them. And oftentimes, like I said, it's not necessarily money to support the head coach. Oftentimes, it's their assistants. You all know this. Most head coaches are just as good as they are unless they have great assistants. Well, you saw that with the offer that was extended to Coach Simmons to go to the University of South Carolina as a running back coach to make $300,000 as a running back coach. That would have made their staff stronger. Right, right. But he needed his staff at FAMU because they started winning the state in the recruiting game this this recruiting season because of the connections that his assistant coaches had throughout the state of Florida. Yeah, you can't if you if you interview the the FAMU alumni organization, you can't help but to be impressed with how organized they are. And I look at our situation, and one of the things that concerns me is how splintered we are. You have the Panther Club. You have this alumni organization. You have this. And everybody wants their own individual voice, and we're so splintered, there's no consolidated, consistent voice to drive that change. It may be that way with other HBCUs. Don't get me wrong, but I just know in our situation, with all of these splintered alumni organizations, it's hard for us to achieve those goals with what we want. And I was impressed with what I saw with the FAMU alumni organization and what they could accomplish. I was very impressed as well. I kind of I read the stories that were coming out of Tallahassee, and it was very impressive to me how they were able to move in the background, move in the darkness, and make it happen without a bunch of fanfare, without about a bunch of outside publicity. They just made it happen. They kept yep. their dude in-house. Yep. And- Three days later, you 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 first hit the room, was hit out less than yep. three, four days later, you have a statement saying, nah, my early dismissal is early. I'm coming in there and we got work to do in the swag. I was like, yep. How do you so how do you get I was like, how do you get organized though? Because they didn't organize in those two, three days, right? It's already in place. Yeah. So how do we get to that point? I think it's just about a couple of people sitting down and talking to the leadership um of those booster groups and the university, mm-hmm. talking about how you form. It would help if you have an athletic director that pushed it um to take this outside of the historically black colleges, yeah. one of the first institutions that I know that did this at extremely well was University of Texas. Texas combined all its booster groups. It used to have a booster group for baseball, booster group for football, booster group for men's basketball, booster group for women's basketball. AD came in there, DeLodge, uh, during his time, and this was right before Texas took off and just became the behemoth that everybody kind of recognizes today. And a lot of that was because they consolidated all those programs into one booster group. They were able to have subcommittees where they had sports they like and they supplement and they may do particular work in those groups. 
uh, but he brought them together. The only HBCU that I've really heard and researched that has done that is North Carolina Central University, where a couple of years ago, Dr. Ingram McCree saw that need, and she asked them to come together as athletic director. And uh, there were some questions at first, but then when she really broke it down and, and, and they started to understand, they came together and consolidated all of that, and they really uh, have, you saw the momentum they did and needed it as they were transitioning from Division Two to Division One at the time. And you see how they, basketball-wide, one of the best HBCU basketball programs out there on the men's side, um, they've been into the celebration boat. Yeah. Uh, they lost the heartbreaker to Grambling State uh, during that time. Uh, they had multiple, everybody thinks about North Carolina A&T, uh, but they shared multiple championships with North Carolina A&T. A&T had um, some tiebreakers that allowed them to go to the Celebration Bowl. But during that period of time, um, they were right in the mix. And now it looks as if they were rebuilding. And you think about the new form MEAC, you would have to believe that they're going to be one of the top programs uh, in the conference in the MEAC moving forward. So so let's let's kind of sum this conversation up. It takes PV the splintered groups of that, that support Prairie View's athletics in different capacities to come together in some form or fashion, hopefully led by the AD with direction from the AD to, to com- compile these efforts, build this, this revenue from a booster club capacity to keep our coaches in house. Well, I think Alan referenced to keeping your coaching staff the, the coaching staff that, fam, you had, their assistant coaches who did a great job of recruiting. You better believe Coach Dooley's football assistant coaches are monsters at recruiting. People are going to notice that. They're going to start coming <laughs> after those guys. Yeah. They yeah, dominate Louisiana. That is on the men's basketball team. Landy Buster, yeah. New State in terms of that. Now, obviously, people want to be head coaches, so you can't necessarily stop them. But the point of that is... You may have delayed it. That may not have been his top choice. If you up to salary, he may say, well, I'm going to wait it out a little longer and get more of one of the programs I like. But when you add in the fact that you can be a coach, make more money, um, you're going to take a lot of times the first job coming. So that's another yeah. thing. And again, I'm not talking about um, head coaches. I'm talking about the assistant coaches who are, you know, they're not, they're not next jump isn't going to be head coach. Right. They'll go to another head coaching job before for another $10,000. And you're exactly right. That's no money. That's something that we certainly as a booster group can head off. And so do we need a championship? Do so we need to ask for permission? No, I don't think you need to ask for permission. I, mean, I think that's something that you put together and you do it yourself. And you can go to the athletic director and say, this is what we're going to do. We're going to need your framework and this is what we're going to do when we write the checks. Uh, you'll see them coming. So, no, you don't necessarily I just say that's probably one of the best ways to get started because you coalesce it. But, no, it's not. It can chicken out the egg either way. Yeah, I did, I, I'd agree. Um, but I, I do think it seems to work better. And I'm looking at the case with Courtney Gaucher and his involvement with the alumni group uh, as, as VP of uh, athletics and, and the athletic director. He seems to be very aggressive at how he engages the FAMU alumni group. Um, so it helps when you have an AD that is that progressive and uh, engaging and serving as a catalyst for the process. But I'd agree. I don't think you need permission, but it helps when you have that AD that's that, you have that support, that proactive. 
I think it does, but fam, you is unique that as as Chanel said earlier, uh, as Roland last, and a lot of that was family before that. Actually, yep. the booster group was impetus in terms of Courtney Gauthier getting a job. They went and got the National yeah. Alumni Association went and got him. The National True. Alumni Association with Courtney Gauthier went and got Willie Simmons. So True. don't get twisted that the 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 AD VP of athletics, as they call him down there, is pushing things forward and organized it. But the alumni association was head and shoulders involved in that. It's so deep at FAMU that they have those individuals on the board as ex officio. So they have some work uh, framework in terms of the decision making capacity. Obviously, they don't make the decisions, but they're at the table and they push mm -hmm. the direction of the university and they are hand in concert of what that looks like. And it is fascinating when you start to study uh, what good boards and institutions look like. And now it gives you an understanding why FAMU um, is back on the upward trajectory in terms of what they are getting done. So there it is. So we're going to have to leave it there, fellas. We got to we got to get to uh, I'm so glad because I want to get Tyler in here before we go too long. So uh, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back with I'm so glad. And we have joining us this week, Tyler Hayes. He's the intern that does all of our editing and producing on this show. Tyler, let him hear the voice, man. Hit him with it, bro. Hit him. <laughs> Good morning, everybody. T. Hayes here. See? There he is right there. There it is. There he is. There it is. Yeah. There it is right there. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is the young man who has been extremely helpful to our show by editing, uh, chopping up all of our mishaps and making it sound like we <laughs> halfway know what we're doing. So welcome to the show on the other side of the camera. Thank you, uh, thank you for having me on the show and thank you for having me uh, this internship opportunity. Absolutely. So uh, you just had a big week this week, man. You had a debut at uh, a film festival. Why don't you share with our listeners uh, what that experience was like? It was it was not technically a film festival, but instead it was a screening that USC hosted of a documentary between PV students and USC students. We collaborated, no administrative help. It was just uh, Professor Mickey Turner of the journalism school at USC Annenberg had the idea for it, pitched it to uh, one of my friends here at PV, and he he got a gang together, me and some other people from PV, and we collaborated with USC students for the past, what, six, five, five or six months on this documentary, you know, just grinding, sacrificing, sacrificing, and, and, and you know, just trying to make the best product possible. And man, the screening was great. I think it was about 120 plus people at the screening. So that was cool. And, you know, I applied for for uh, the School of Cinematic Arts at USC for a grad degree. So hopefully some of the SCA people were there as well and saw that, you know, PV students are highly capable in film production. And therefore, I should go to a USC film school. The number one. <laughs> we, 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 we plug for that. We bump for that. Yeah. yeah. Most definitely. So, uh, you know, you guys have been shut down on the yard for for a minute here this week, and uh, you know I know you you you're ready to get back to the yard instead of being at home because I know how that can be when you're at home. You got different rules you got to live by. Uh, so what what are you looking forward to for the rest of this semester? 
the semester where I'm writing movies right now. I, fi- I finished a, a feature, writing a feature film. I got a draft of that. That's 107 pages, but I'm also working on another movie because that's what I do. I, I write movies. I took this time out in quarantine and everything while everybody was crying, complaining about quarantine. I got down and got to work. So I write movies. <laughs> yes, sir. Went back to the lab. Back to the lab. <laughs> back to the lab. <laughs> I, I sat down and hunkered down and, you know, trying to improve my writing and stuff because that's, that's what I'm going to do with my life is make movies. And hopefully, you know, I'll be on big screen one day and, you know, Oscars and stuff like that. Not that I care about Oscars. I care about, you know, impacting the people and culture with my films. But, you know, that's what I do. I make movies. So let me ask you this, Tyler. Do you have a particular genre that uh, more uh, aligns with your skill set? Or are you kind of uh, open to to just about any uh, any different um, genre like horror or drama or comedy? I would say I'm fairly capable of all. That's what people tell me. But I typically, I, I love comedy. And if y'all don't know, I have a, I've, I've done stand up and I've been funny all my life. I've always been, you know, the clown or whatever. So comedy is like my bread and butter. So when I make movies, that's, that's what I want. I, it's like a twisted comedy. It's like dark comedy or black comedy as, as people would say. So that's my style or, you know, or fingerprint as far as the way I make my movies. And I, you know, uh, telling unique, like black stories from a, from a black perspective, that's, that's funny. And it, and it's, it's twisted and dark and it, it's real that it hits you in a place you never thought it would hit you, but it's still hilarious. And you're like, you go out of that movie thinking, wow, like that was something else. That's, you know, I want people to be shocked by what, what they experience from my movie. So that's, that's my fingerprint. I've never understood until recently, I guess, how much uh, depth that uh, movie makers have to go into into developing scripts and movie ideas and things of that nature. I, I recently heard an er- interview that um, how like Jordan Peele is a horror fan and people will notice that he's taken the horrific history of African-American trauma and intertwined it into horror movies because he's a horror fan. And if you think about it, those two kind of match, they, they mix well. Yeah. So, um, can you speak towards how writers, film producers or what have you kind of develop scripts and roles and things of that nature? Yeah. So movies, it always starts with a script. And so, you know, I've heard, I've spoken to Lena Waithe briefly for my internship with HBC in LA. I got to ask Lena Waithe a question that was regarding, you know, finding your voice or whatever. And she brought up a point that said, you know, there's not a lot of good writers in Hollywood. I said, what? Not a lot of good writers in Hollywood? But that, you know, that inspired me, you know, becoming the best writer I can be so I can be that guy that, that oh, this dude, be writing some five scripts. So everything starts with a script. And from then on, it's 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 a giant process, a bunch of people not only breaking down the script to make sure the story is actually good, but then you have to, you know, find people and build a budget. That's what the producer is for. And I'm not going to speak to everything they do because I'm not really a producer or, or things like that. I'm a writer, director first. But, you know, there's it's, it's an expensive business. There's a reason why movies cost so much, like hundreds of millions of dollars to make it. And then it's so funny, you know, you'll make this super expensive movie 
put out into the world and people just trash on it. <laughs> yeah. you know, just drag it after all this multi hundreds of millions of dollars. So, you know, it's, it's, but it's a special industry. It's a recession proof industry. And it, it's, it's, uh, it's, 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 I would say the most powerful artistic medium. That's what I want to say. But uh, hey, Tyler, uh, I have a daughter who is also an acting and theater major as well. So she's living in Atlanta. She's writing and producing as well. Uh, she used the exact same word you said, and it just spurred in me when you said finding her voice. And she's, you know, put several productions together. She does for an entertainment company at um, Stone Mountain. She writes and produces and directs. She said one of the things that's helped her is the advent of things like Netflix, you know, YouTube, um, Amazon. They've been helpful at trying to help, you know, her get her voice out there. I'd like to get your perspective. How has that helped you, you know, get your voice out there? Because when we were coming up, it was just the traditional routes, but you guys have a lot more access to technological platforms. So how has, how has that been beneficial to you? Well, that sounds like almost two questions in one. So the voice, the artistic voice is, this is only I can do this. This is uniquely me. So when you watch a Tarantino movie, you can feel, you can see and hear his voice, his artistic voice. You know, that's the distinction with the voice. Now, as far as social media and the internet and this technology age of all these different mediums that we can uh, stream our films and work on, that is that is something I wouldn't say it, it denigrates because it is definitely a step up. But, you know, what, what they, what's the saying that quality and quantity? Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, that that. And also oh, it's like for every action is the equal and opposite, equal reaction. opposite reaction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So even though you have all these, you know, different platforms and stuff like that, there's always going to be some stuff that you never thought uh adversities that she never thought that would come with such stuff and yeah quality quality and versus quantity for sure because there's plenty of there's plenty of bad movies and, and stuff on, the, <laughs> on netflix and amazon prime and yeah. you, just, you have to sit down and think like who who said you know let's who thought this is a good idea because it's turning into more business now and every, everything's so easily accessible so they're like if we make this movie we'll put this person in this role and this will sell so it's it's, it's becoming you know this i would say diluted industry i mean yes let's just say it. let's just say yeah, it. yeah. Just say it. yeah i think there's a there's a it seems to be a battle over content Especially yep. now, uh, in the past year or so, there are probably a lot of movies that would would have never seen the light of day. But mm -hmm. since there's not a lot of movies in production right now, they are just looking for new content to keep subscribers. Because yep. I know I subscribe to Disney only to watch Mandalorian. And when I was done with Mandalorian, I canceled because there was nothing else on there that I wanted to see. <laughs> just Netflix, movies. Netflix is on the clock because I scroll through. I can spend 20 minutes a day scrolling, trying to find something to watch. He's like, I don't want to see none of this garbage. <laughs> yeah, I, I've spent an hour or so scrolling through Netflix and Amazon Prime just looking for stuff. Yeah. yeah. I end up going back to some oldies but goodies like, you know, Uptown Saturday Night and uh, yeah. Coffee and stuff Ooh, like that. Coming to, coming to America. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, 
So Tyler, we need some of your content, bro. You got to hurry up and get it out there, man. I'm, I'm uh, trying. To, I, mean, I write every day. I wake up in the morning. I read my screenwriting book for an hour, and then I write for two hours, and then I start my day before I even check my phone or anything. So, so, right, so why so. don't you just why don't you just grab somebody's uh, uh, credit card like Spike Lee did? Grab I got, your, a, I got a camcorder. My key is done with. You know what I'm saying? So I don't use it. <laughs> All you need is an iPhone and just make right. you a short movie. Yeah, this is true. Uh, the only problem with that is you're competing with people who are using, you know, 4K cameras and stuff like that. Mm. At the end of the day, story first. Story first. But, uh, you know, the, the iPhone thing, making movies with iPhones and you can just make stuff, it's an interesting phenomenon because, you know, you can make these movies where uh, production is so easily accessible because you have a phone and stuff like that. But when you when you when you trying to get people to take you serious and you show them an iPhone movie and the production quality is, is not there. You know, at the end of the day, it's a business. Like I was saying, it's transformed into this giant business. They're going to rake you in for money and they'll spit you out if, you know, if you're not careful or if you trust the wrong people and things like that. So, you know, what kind of value are, are they looking into you for? But most definitely, I'll, I will be trying to get a camera soon and, and, and shoot some more stuff. I have four films of my own. I have some awards. I can't count how many awards. I, I forgot. But, yeah, so. <laughs> All right. Y'all, did y'all catch that? I got yeah, so many I, awards. I, so many. I don't, I don't got. know. Hey, Dooley needs a ring. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but you know something? You, you got to take a, take a page from... Uh, um, uh, one of the greats, right? A lot of folks didn't even know, and that was um, Byron Allen, and uh, and believe it or not, Percy Master P, right? When they thought about content, they just flooded the market with content. We know that Master P put out some some less than stellar movies, right? But he made money, <laughs> but he made a ton of money off of it. And then you look at Byron Allen. Byron Allen has put out so much content that people don't even know. And honestly, Byron's Allen thing was he gave it away, but he owned all of the revenue that came from the advertising associated with it. Genius. So, you know, it's a it's a balancing act. I know you want to be artist first, but, yeah. um, you know, don't be afraid to uh, uh, understand this business side <laughs> to help fund yeah. your artistry as well. Yeah. So, for sure, for sure. That's something, you know, I'm taking in mind right now as someone who's about to leave college and really get out in the in the business world and stuff like that and yeah. actually having to make money. And, you know, you don't want to be a starving artist and whatnot. But, you know, the, the business is, is changing so fast. It's like yeah. trying to find that middle ground is getting even harder with the separation the, of how fast the this industry is changing and stuff like that. So it's definitely it's definitely, you know, Something to to conquer, I guess I can say. Ah, there you go. <laughs> All right, well, Tyler, we're looking for big things from you, and uh, I'm going. We're going to save these uh, conversations so we can say we were here first, and we we, we put you on the map. <laughs> That's what we're going to claim anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so and, we and we ain't letting you go after you graduate either. Right. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> exactly. You heard that here first. <laughs> yep. All right, so let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back with the We Ready Shoutouts. All right, and we are back for the We Ready Shoutouts. Who's got a shout-out this week? 
I got one. I'll kick, I'll kick this off. I know we talked about the bowling team and their success, but uh, PV named their uh, all-conference teams. The PV bowling team coach of the year, Coach Glenn White, was named coach of the year this this year. Again. Uh, uh, three first-teamers, um, Crystal Klein, uh, Cheyenne Washington, Patricia Rosales, and then a second-teamer, Asia Wren. The PV bowling team is ready. They definitely ready. Get the rings, baby. Ready. Get that fist full. We had an alum that started a PV grocery garden. I saw the uh, the article this week. Joe, give give me that name real quick, bro. What's her name? I don't have it, man. I was trying to find that article. <laughs> <laughs> I man, was hoping you had. You gonna put it in the group chat, and then you gonna say I don't have it. <laughs> Cause you okay. said it the other day. I was like, Dang you. Joe, you gotta get your your button to cut now. I know, man. <laughs> and I told y'all I've been working. I've been putting in some hours this week. <laughs> Please give me some grace. See, see. <laughs> All right, and we gotta get this right. Shawnetta jumped off the call real quick because she didn't want to scandalize her name further with our, our <laughs> caller response. <laughs> so she was like, "Y'all got it." <laughs> So let's try this call and response once again. So remember, there is no pause. Go straight into it. For those of you who are listening, wherever you are, if you're in your car, if you're at home, if you're on a treadmill, say it out loud with us. And I'm going to count down so y'all can be ready. All right? Three, two, one. PV, you know. Hey, see? Shanetta gonna be proud. Appreciate y'all. And we out. All right, all right. All right, all right. <laughs>